The Durants in Council Doris and her mountain home Dorothy replied to the letter of Dr. Straw, explaining that she was the niece of her Jacob Durant, was now owner of the cottage, and if he but desired to, to come, the rooms were at his service. His reply came promptly, saying he would come, and in a few days he took possession, happy to be in a place to which he was accustomed, and feeling that he was at home with the intelligent and agreeable relatives of Jacob Durant. He took his morning walk, then returned to his books, and, as Marie had said, was no trouble to anyone, mother and daughter scarcely realizing that there was a third person under the roof. Doris had written to Maha shortly after reaching Switzerland and waited for a reply. She knew that Maha could not write, but wondered that the children whom she had taught to use the pen did not reply, and was on the point of writing again when one came from Guacomo. He wrote that all were well and were glad to get her letter, that his father had been home from Genoa, and wanted Guacomo to return with him, but finding he had a good position with a gardening firm at Pianza did not insist. He added that he got good wages from the owners of the gardens, but left it in their hands, and they all hoped that Doris and her mother would return to Mont Rosso. His father had expressed much surprise at the improvement in his children, and was deeply grateful to Fra Morizuis and her daughter. It appears to me that Guacomo is keeping something back. He was not has not spoken his mind fully in that letter, remarked Doris, when she finished. Why does he not get his money from the gardener? I know that he always tells the truth, but I do not believe he has told us all. Guacomo is not accustomed to letter writing, as you see. He has not entered into details on any subject. I will run over and read the letter to Grandmother. She is always glad to see me. Do, dear child. I am glad you are going to your, of your own accord. I have always to suggest it as a duty. Doris put on her sun hat and went out softly singing, Red clouds in the heavens, white foam upon the sea, and beautiful, oh beautiful, is the whole world to me. Her grandmother was indeed glad to see her and to listen to the letter, which Doris had scarcely finished when Nicholas walked in with a half-open rose in his hand, which he held out to Doris. Oh, it is beautiful, she said. Where did you get it? Yes, where, where, I wonder. Where did I tell you that wild roses grew? I suppose you have forgotten also that you are to visit us when the roses are in bloom on the castle of Ardes, or as I should say, the ruins of the castle of Steinberg. Yes, nodded Grandmother Durant. She will go, Nicholas, and see for herself the fine, large house you have there, the vineyards, the orchards, and beautiful grounds. She will be so interested in the beauty of the place that she will never think of the ruins and wild roses. I will go home now, Grandmother, said Doris. Cousin Nicholas may wish to chat with you, and my visit was about over when he came. But no, Nicholas had come to see Dorothy about the visit. He arose and accompanied her home, and it was decided that they should go the following day, and then Nicholas returned to Ardy's. The next morning he was there at the appointed time with a fine carriage and handsome pair of horses, and Dorothy and Doris being ready, they soon reached the substantial residence of their uncle Nicholas, who met them at the door and welcomed them cordially. "'And this is Dorothy, Daniel's daughter,' he said." 
And Doris, his granddaughter? The family need not be ashamed to own her. She is a handsome girl. The old housekeeper, yourself, came in to greet the guests, then hurried back to the dinner, now nearing completion. She soon returned with a damask linen tablecloth in hand, and Doris sprang up and offered to assist. Just tell me where the dishes are, she said, and I will set the table for you. Yourself showed her appreciation of the offer of opening china closets and pointing out the ware to be used, and Doris arranged all deftly and quickly aided by some suggestions from the uncle who loved to watch her flitting about the great room, as did young Nicholas. An active, useful girl, he commented. See, Dorothy, that you are training her right. Yes, I wish her to know every branch of woman's work. But tell me, uncle, have you yet the beautiful valise which were in the windows on the balcony? Don't... I don't know. We will have to ask yourself. And the wild roses, uncle, added Doris. Mama has often told me how beautiful they are. We are to go to see them this afternoon. Stay with us, Doris, said the old man. You can have roses at any time, but not good company like ours. Not the wild roses that Mama saw growing on the ruins. What ruins is she speaking of, inquired the uncle, turning to Nicholas. She means the old castle of Steinberg. We will persuade her to save that for another visit. It will be an inducement for her to come here again. But I'm afraid they will be gone. They are in bloom now, Nicholas brought us one. But it is too early for them, child. He must have gotten that from some conservatory. Whereupon Nicholas laughed aloud. I did not tell her it was a wild rose, he said. I only showed it to her and reminded her that she had promised to come when the wild roses were in bloom. Deception, commented Uncle Nicholas. A falsehood is a falsehood, no matter what the temptation may be. And I acknowledge it was a temptation, for it cannot but be lonely here for you, Nicholas. It will not be long until all roses are in bloom, and I hope they will come and pass a long visit. Dinner was now served, and was a triumph of culinary skill. They sat long at the table, and in a short while after returning to the parlor, it was time to go to Shoals. Their uncle Nicholas was so happy and cheered by the visit that he was anxious for them to promise they would come at least once a week. But Dorothy assured him that she could not allow her cousin Nicholas to come for them so often, and after several delays on his part to keep them longer, the conveyance was at the door, and they were driven home at sunset, both glad to be again in their own little home. A new impetus was given to the visits of Nicholas after that time. He called every day sometimes walking for Marty's, but more frequently in a light carriage to take Doris out for a drive, an invitation which she always declined. He appeared to have something upon his mind, and one day, instead of inviting Doris to take a drive, he spoke for Dorothy. "'Uncle wants to see you upon some business, and I have come for you,' he said." On business, echoed Dorothy. Is Doris to go? No, only you. He will see Doris later, and he smiled a satisfied smile. Wonderingly, Dorothy prepared for the drive, and when she reached Artie's, found the old gentleman on the porch to receive her. I thought you would come, he said, although you do not know the good fortune that is in store for you. Come in while I tell you. Dorothy followed him into the parlor, took the chair he offered, and waited to hear what he had to say. I'm an old and feeble man, Dorothy he wave, wavered and may soon be called hence. I wish to benefit Daniel's daughter before I go. I want Jan to give up your cottage and come and live here. Nicholas will be lonely after I'm gone and wishes no company but Doris and yourself. Doris shall be co-heir with Nicholas in this estate and all I possess, share and share alike. 
Nicholas is rich without it, having inherited all the property of his father being the only child. I pray that you will gratify an old man's per perhaps last request. I don't know what to say, replied Dorothy. I am bewildered by the proposition. I must consult with Doris. There's no need of putting it off for Doris to decide, commented Nicholas, coming in at that moment, taking a seat near them. You cannot expect a girl of her age to know what is best for her. She is my counselor in all things since I lost my husband, replied Dorothy, with tears filling her eyes. She is worthy to consult, said Uncle Nicholas sincerely, and owing to coming business arrangements, I wish to know in three days what you will do, and can only hope you will accept my offer. But our cottage, Uncle, what would we do about it? I can't. I can rent it for you at a good price, and you will have no care about it or anything else. But both of you have every comfort as long as you live. I will consult with Doris," said the mother, rising to go. "Consult grandmother and cousin Marie and cousin Catherine if you want advice that will benefit Doris," advised Nicholas curtly. "Why do they know of this?" asked Dorothy, dropping back into her seat. "Well, if you must go." "'Cousin Dorothy, I am ready to take you,' said Nicholas, quickly, to conceal his embarrassment at her question, and bidding her uncle Nicholas goodbye, they were soon on their way. "'I will wait until you have talked with Doris, and can tell Uncle Nicholas what she says, which I know will be yes, and thank you, too,' suggested Nicholas, when they reached the cottage gate. "'No, I would rather have you call the next time you come to see Grandmother,' replied Dorothy. "'Doris must have time to think it over,' and Nicholas had to be content." Doris soon convinced her mother that there need be no time lost in considering the matter. She refused absolutely to listen to such a proposition, and Dorothy's heart grew light at hearing it. I was so afraid you would see it in a different way. Such a splendid home would be a strong temptation to many girls, she said eagerly. It is not for me with Cousin Nicholas thrown into the bargain, said Doris, and then both laughed gleefully. Glad that there was no need to think of it again, Dorothy rejoiced that it was not left her to decide, and dr she dreaded responsibility. The next morning, Doris sat upon the river, sewing in hand. Her gaze rested upon Mount Pessoa, with dun clouds about it, and compared it with the sun-kissed Mothrone, which lifted its peak to a sky of brilliant blue, and wondering if at that moment Guacomo, Benedetto, or Marietta were looking upon it or thinking of her. Seeing her happily employed, Dorothy threw a veil over her golden hair and went over to pass a little while with her grandmother. As she went by the dwelling of her uncle Jacob, Marie, who was by the window, called to her and then ran out, tying the strings of her bonnet as she walked along. That child Doris is the most fortunate girl I know, she said. Are you not delighted? Nicholas called last evening and told us all about it. What could he have told you? asked Dorothy anxiously. I was just going to tell Grandmother of my visit yesterday to Uncle Nicholas. Yes, of course, she should be the first to hear. The good news from you. I know her opinion already. Welcome, Dorothy, exclaimed the old lady graciously. I was sure you would come today to talk over the good fortune of Doris. Dorothy dropped into a seat, her heart heavy with anxiety. Yes, I know that your heart is so foolishly believe your own happiness, much less speak of it. What a beautiful prospect for dear Doris. How would Daniel rejoice to see his granddaughter mistress of that elegant home? Grandmother, said Dorothy, trembling with excitement, I hope Nicholas did not tell you that the matter was settled. Doris has not said that she would go. What? exclaimed Catherine, who had followed Marie. Are you in your senses, Dorothy? I have no right to decide for Doris, said Frau Maurice tearfully. But Dorothy, interposed Grandmother Durant, quietly, Doris is too young to decide such an important question, one that makes her, mars her, and 
your whole life. It is your duty to decide for her. Yes, Adam Marie, if she has no better sense than to throw away her life's happiness, she should be made to take the vice of older people. If you do not insist upon her accepting this offer of Uncle Nicholas, believe me, the time will come when she will reproach you bitterly for not advising her for her and your real good. You will not live forever on the earth, interposed Catherine, and when Grandmother and Uncle Nicholas and all were older ones are gone, who will take care of Doris? It is something for a girl who has neither father or brother to know that there will always be a full larder without any effort of her own. Doris has never set her heart upon mere earthly possessions, returned Dorothy timidly. That is exactly the trouble, exclaimed Catherine decidedly. She has always been so carefully provided for that she does not know what it is to want for anything. But if you were taken from her, she would soon find out that it is hard for a girl to make her way in life. She has been brought up in a foreign country and kept away from her relatives and now has no affection for them. We warned you when you married Mara Zuiz that he would separate you from all your friends here. I never regretted for one moment going with him, said Dorothy, the tears running down her fair cheeks. Oh well, there is no need to call up the past, interposed Grandmother Durant gently. Just Yet we will say that your Uncle Nicholas is old and may never again make the offer, and if you let this opportunity of a lifetime pass it will not be two years until you will be both regret it and you will reproach yourself that you did not advise her better what is to become of her dorothy when you are gone that is what i would like to know questioned marie matthias and jacob have enough to do to provide for their own children and doris does not take to new people she holds her head too high so they do not trouble themselves about her you should not say that of her, said the mother tearfully. She is a loving, dutiful daughter, and kind and polite to everybody. She is all that, commented the grandmother, and will do as you advise even against her own wishes, so you should advise her for her own good. Let me have a talk with her, Dorothy. I can place the matter in its true light, and I'm sure she will be influenced for the right. If I did not have love for her and interest in her as my son Daniel's granddaughter, I would not waste words upon her, for as you know, I am not much given to speech. Dorothy felt relieved that the responsibility would in a measure be lifted from her. She promised to send Doris and went home, her faithful and tender heart filled with conflicting emotions. Well, the great conference is over, said Doris laughingly as she met her at the door. Now that affair is settled for a time. Doris, if you would not treat such an important subject so lightly, I would not feel so disheartened, said her mother with trembling voice. But, dear Mama, you have no cause for anxiety. We are happy together, so happy that we wish no change. Your grandmother is right. You do not realize the value of the opportunity you are letting slip from you. If you had heard her words, they were golden, and I fear with her that the time will come when you will bitterly regret your decision. When I am gone, and your Uncle Nicholas is gone, and your other relatives fail to interest themselves in your welfare, you will stand alone in the world, no father, no mother, no brother or sister. Oh, my heart aches when I think of it all. And she wept without restraint. Mama, dear, what have you they said to distress you so, cried Doris, taking her mother in her strong young arms and kissing her tenderly. Do not think about it one moment. I will go and have a talk with the whole set. They will not frighten me as they have frightened you, you will see that the clouds will pass by when I have had my say. Yes, it would be better for you to go, dear. Your grandmother does take kind interest in you, and it is no more than right that you should listen to her advice. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. <laughs>